Well, I can't wait to meet our host. I hear this is only one of his beat parties. Stay positive, the love will come back to me. Stay positive, the love will come back to me. Stay positive, the love will come back to me. Stay positive, the love will come back to me. Good evening, folks. This is Harry Day with Two True to Lie. We're not in the studio. We're next room from the studio, kicked back in the big bedroom. We got the honky tonk station on on the television. And I think this is my first podcast of 2021. So. There are a lot of things going on right now, most of it political. Underneath all that, there's a lot of criminal investigation and uh, warrants being served, maybe. I'm not sure what they're called, but there's a possibility we'll have a new, fresher, freer United States of America, once this all plays out, hopefully it will, and all the evil will be uprooted and taken care of. But this show is not about that tonight. I've got to find my page. Um, tonight, I'm going to be so distracted by the TV, I know it. Today, tonight's podcast is about being new to the country. Now, there are a lot of ways that can be taken. I will clarify. Say you lived in the city and you got tired of the congestion and of all the traffic and how half your neighbors and you don't see eye to eye and the pollution and the crime all the trappings of living in a city. And so you make it happen and you move out to the country. And I don't mean, you know, a suburb in the next county over in a little town that is all bedroom community in a very nice neighborhood country. I'm talking about living in the country out where the gravel roads are, out where farmers ply their trade of farming, out where you can hear cattle moo when it's feeding time, out where you can shoot your gun or shoot your gun off any porch you choose around your house. This is how I have it. I love it. I love it. I go outside at night. I can see every star in the sky. You can see the planets. You can see the satellites. I can go out back and shoot duck during duck season or shoot deer during deer season. You got to be good, though. You can't just go out back and shoot a deer. You got to mind the wind, be able to shoot straight, be able to bring the deer in and clean it. I did I, I did an episode on cleaning a deer. So let's move forward. Well, I want this episode to help educate People who have just moved out into the country because they 
just couldn't take it anymore living in the city. Maybe you didn't like it in the city for the reasons I said earlier. Maybe you're in a neighborhood in the city where you have a crazy HOA, a homeowners association, which acts like a small government and, and pretty much practices do as we say, not as we do, which is absolutely our federal government. Hopefully that'll change. So there are a lot of things that you'll need to learn how to do when you move to the country. You don't have to do them all. You can drive to the store and buy all your stuff. But if you're out in the country, you have open ground. You have soil. You most likely have a water source. It just depends on where you are. You need to learn to garden. You can either do it by hand. You don't need a big garden. My garden is not real big. Depends on how many people are in your house. If you got a small family, four people, you only need maybe six to ten or twelve tomato plants. Now, growing tomatoes is challenging, and you may start out growing great tomatoes, and it may not last half the summer, or it may go all the way into the fall. It depends on conditions and how good you are at monitoring your plants for pests and blight and soil rot, all kinds of things. Easier things to grow in the country. Okra, very easy to grow. Just make sure you clip it while the okra growths are young and tender. Bell peppers, very easy to grow. Hot peppers, very easy to grow. Those are my usual staples. I also do rows of peas, sometimes a large plot of peas. Those aren't too too difficult to do if you can keep the pests out of them like the rabbits and the deer. What I do to keep the rabbits and the deer out, at least out of my main garden, is I keep either a strobe light or a colored party light that flashes or strobes or fades in and out color and changes color. And it will keep the rabbits and the deer out of your garden. But if you go longer than two days in the same pattern with your light, you will not keep them out because they're used to it. So every other day, you've got to change the pattern of the strobe or the color and pattern of your party light on your garden. But you'll find that it's a lot easier, especially early on in your gardening career, it's a lot easier to just go to the store and buy vegetables because they're inexpensive. The thing about growing your own is they taste better. I don't mean a little bit better. I mean, there's, there's a world of difference in home-grown tomatoes, obviously. I do Cherokee Purple. They're the best tomato on the planet. But your okra, your you can grow uh, green onions. Uh, your bell peppers, I would give them. I always had more than I could eat, and so I would give them to my neighbor because their little boy would eat the bell pepper like it was an apple because they, were, they just had that good a taste. Um, something you might want to avoid trying to tackle 
living in the country and growing things is growing corn. Just get your corn from the store or at least from a local corn grower because we have them here. Uh, Get local sweet corn. That's the way to go. Don't go picking someone's uh, feed corn. It doesn't have a lot of flavor. It's for uh, it's feed corn. They call it feed corn because it's meant to be cow food, deer corn, chicken corn. I mean, you know, feed animals, pigs. Um, homegrown peas, though. Woo, gosh, they're so good. But gardening, gardening is definitely something. And plant some herbs. You know, I have a rosemary bush on the corner of my garage. That's huge. I've got some uh, mint growing over in a patch in the middle of the back left yard. And I planted a couple of fig trees, which are still maturing. And one of them had a lemon verbena growing in the root ball that blossomed out real big. And just the smell itself is just aromatherapy, like the rosemary. Rosemary is aromatherapy. I know it's good with potatoes and some uh, recipes, but just to take both hands into a rosemary bush, grab a stalk each, and just roll the hands up without pulling it off, and you get the oils from the rosemary leaves, little bitty leaves, in your hands, and the smell is just like, it's almost like it relaxes your brain, because it does. Now, let me look at my list and see what I, I need to go to next. Hold on a sec. I'm just sitting here recording on my phone. Ah. This and this this ties in to gardening. You need to watch your neighbors that farm and see how they farm. And see how well they farm. And if they've been farming for a while or if they're generational farmers, they're going to be great. And what I did, and I learned this from my neighbor, there's a family called the Moors. You know, you go down into the swamp and you hit the, uh, it's not swamp unless it's really wet. You go down to the bottom woods and you cross the river and you go through the woods and you come to a farm over in Yazoo County across the river. That's not how we get there. We drive over the bridge. And I've only met a couple of them. They are the most efficient. Is this? No. They're the most proficient farmers I've ever seen. When I go over there, because the dumpsters are over down the road near their near their uh, setup, and I take my garbage. In the spring, I always watch to see when they've planted their corn, because they know what they're doing. And when they plant their corn, that means they don't expect a frost. That means I need to row my garden up and start planting. And I just do it in phases when I have time. But uh, just getting your hands in the dirt, working the dirt, the smell. It's, it's an organic experience in more ways than one. So you need to know your local farmers by how well they farm and when they plant. So you'll know when to plant. Not so much goes along with their harvest other than harvesting corn 
by the first weekend of September so you know where to dove hunt. If you're allowed to dove hunt there. There's a farm across the interstate where I dove hunt. And they cut corn. I can go over there if it's uh, season and shoot birds. So, you got to know your farmers so you know when to plant. You also need to know your neighbors because you're not going to have a lot of neighbors. And you might have an emergency where you need to run to somebody's house. Or you need help getting unstuck because you got stuck you know on the property or in a ditch on the highway or you ran out of gas or whatever and there's only two houses here and one house a mile that way and three houses a mile that way you need to know these people you need to know your locals because y'all need to rely on each other in times of bad weather in times of emergency and why not know your neighbors since you don't have to see them every day, they won't be tired of you and you won't be tired of them. Like, say, the couple in the condo outside your bedroom window downtown that you don't have anything in common with. And they have new neighbors now and they don't have anything in common with. Yet somehow you don't have anything in common with them either. Do you know what I mean? I hope you do. So you need to know your neighbors. Um, my two nearest neighbors, I know very well enough to where if we need to borrow an egg or some sugar or a potato or a can of tomatoes or a tomato paste or whatever we can and we do borrow from each other um it's kind of an unspoken uh unspoken understanding that Greg at the end of the driveway can come in my house and get whatever he needs whenever he needs it, and I can do the same at his house, which I have done, and he has done. But we're very close friends, and we do a lot for each other. And that's how it works, especially when you live out in the country, which, again, is the most beautiful thing a person can do. Okay, let me look at my list because I can't see... Unless it's a foot away from my face, and so now it's quiet, right? Okay, know your neighbors. Know your best local farmer. Got it, got it. Learn how to garden, yes. Uh, chickens. Chickens, or any, any, any farm animals, actually, if you can build pens, or have someone help you build pens, You can have a couple of pigs. You can feed all your leftovers to pigs along with grain or whatever normal things you want to feed pigs, like corn. And what plan you have for your pigs, as in having them slaughtered and turned into food. Or if you just like having them to eat your trash. (laughs) But they can get out, and they're a handful, and they'll eat Anything. I've seen them eat a deer head. I've seen them eat a snake. There, it's just, you don't, you know, there's an old adage don't pass out in the pig pen because they'll start eating you. Um, goats don't eat meat, I learned from Greg when I was taking my uh, extra food, old food stuffs down there to feed his animals. I would always take my excess 
overgrown cucumbers and uh, I'll start to say yogurt. Uh, okra. <laughs> How do you get yogurt and okra mixed up? You just do because you live in the country and the air is so oxygen rich that you're just high on life. That's what I'd like to say it is. I like Morgan Whalen. Um, chickens. Chickens eat meat. The man, chicken man that I got my chickens from years ago, my first two, said he would take all the trimmings when he cleaned the deer because he's a big deer hunter like me. He would take the trim, trimmings and pack them in these little uh, small jelly jars and freeze them. And uh, each time he thought uh, a pen of chickens, he had several, needed uh, a different kind of protein or a, a red meat protein, he would just take a jar, take the top off, and just throw it out there. And as it thawed, they'd peck it out and eat it. Did the same with my two. They, they ate it. They also ate corn and grain. Uh, crack corn is what they call it, or uh, corn chops. I always just got hens, and they would lay eggs because you don't need a rooster for a hen to lay eggs. You need a rooster to fertilize the hen to have fertile eggs to have chicks. If you just have hens, you'll have eggs. And I was getting, on average, an egg and a half a day. And I say that because I have two chickens, and I didn't always get two eggs a day. It was less than that. But enough to where I was giving eggs to my mom or uh, a friend or whatever. Good brown eggs. And my first two got killed by my dogs. And then my second two got killed by my dogs. (laughs) And then I didn't have chickens for a while. And I decided I was ready to get chickens again. I got two more from the chicken man. And something dug in, most likely a fox, and killed one. And the other one ran off and disappeared. And I'm sure within a day was eaten by something else out in the woods. Because chickens are very low on the food chain. Worms and insects are lower than chickens on the food chain. Not much else. There's not much else below a chicken on the food chain. Once all those feathers come off, they're small. Look at a duck. You see these ducks, and they're all, they look, you know, fat and large. Once you get that inch and a half thick coat of feather off of them, they have a nice small body with a lot of breast meat and a little bit of leg meat and a little bit of wing meat. So. I don't have chickens right now. I may get more once it starts getting warm. I don't know. I built my own chicken house, and I really like it. I still have it. It just sits there by the garden. I would let them out, and they would eat seeds and bugs. And I was like, ah, that's very helpful, actually. And then someone would chase them or kill them. I've had them run off and come back. It's, It's, you know, it's up to you on whether you want to deal with that with chickens. Okay, I talked about goats, talked about pigs. I'm not going to get into horses. My neighbor has um, the screaming mule, 
the long duck dong, Sicilian donkey, and the miniature horse, which is the cutest thing. And the miniature horse and the donkey hang out together. And the screaming mule jumps the fence and gets in the highway and walks down the driveway. Wake up and he's in my, she's in my yard. And I got a good long story about Ruby the screaming mule, but I'm not going there tonight because that's it would run this way over wherever it is already. I don't even know how far into it I am. Let me see. Only 20 minutes. Maybe. Let me see what else I got. Well, let's let's move on to this, then maybe we'll come back to Ruby. Okay, now you're out in the country, and you're growing your own vegetables. You might have some fruit trees. You might be lucky enough to have some pecan trees. Um, some fig trees, which can be very sweet, by the way. Figs can be very, very sweet. Um, we have a lot of blackberry, wild blackberry, all over that we uh, pick in the spring, the late spring, kind of early summer, late spring. The thing you need to consider when you're out in the country, A, is to own a gun. If you're scared of guns or don't want a gun, you should get a shotgun. You can do anything with a shotgun. You can dove hunt with a shotgun. You can duck hunt with a shotgun. It's just different kind of shells. You can put a slug or buckshot in a shotgun and go deer hunting. I've killed a couple of deer with a shotgun. You can defend yourself with a shotgun, and it doesn't matter what kind of shell you shoot the offender. If you are in threat within your home or on your property, any shell will do, as long as you are first to the draw. So that's your shotgun. You can kill snakes with a shotgun. You can run off coyotes with a shotgun. Uh, what else can you do with a shotgun? You can swing it around like a baton, I guess. Um, You can't shoot deer far out. If you have a place to hunt where you live or, if, or you get in a club nearby, you might want a deer rifle. Um, the caliber doesn't matter. Um, most people say shoot them behind the shoulder. The heart's kind of down low. The lungs are up above it. Anywhere in that area, shoot them there. Well, it's true. You shoot them there, and it's a big target area. You will kill them in time. If you miss the heart, and it's not huge, the heart's size of a fist. If you miss the heart and put it through their lungs, they're going to run off. They're going to leave a little trail of blood. Sometimes it might take a while for them to bleed. Sometimes they'll bleed and then not bleed and then bleed and then not bleed. And you can't push them or you're, or you're just going to keep having to trail blood and they're going to keep going further on someone else's property or across a river. So you got to sit and wait and let it die and then go find it. So as I have taught my son and myself, you shoot the deer in the neck. You put any size bullet in the neck of a deer, it is going down. It is dying fast. You don't have to go find it. You don't have to worry about the mess inside the rib cage when you're cleaning it out. 
It's just through the neck. And if you're a really good shot or they're close, you can shoot them in the head. I mean, if you're going to shoot it, what's it matter where you shoot it if you're going to kill it for meat? This is deer. Um, duck hunting requires places to go, usually, to duck hunt. Luckily, here where I live, I can hunt wood duck. They come in in the afternoons. And we'll sit out there with a couple of shells, shoot a couple, and then get out because we don't want to run them off. They've been coming here for a long time. So you need to think about hunting, which means you got to learn, you got to go back and find the podcast on how to clean a deer. So you can clean your deer and then either learn how to make your own deer burger or take it to a place that does it for you. But when you do that, it is possible that you might not get 100% the deer you took to them because they process a lot of deer and sometimes they'll just if they're doing a certain kind of sausage they'll just clean all the deer that's brought in run it all through the sausage thing and then split it back up by pound and give it back to you you might get less meat than you took in there you might get a little more but it doesn't mean it's your deer and you know maybe someone shot a deer that lives in the city and eats Eat zinnias or, or, or whatever. Eat something that's bad for them. Who knows? I'm not saying zinnias are bad for deer. I don't know that. They might not eat zinnias. They might not be palatable to a deer, which eats honeysuckle and, you know, most grasses, brows of uh, vines, acorns, lots of acorns, which are bitter. So, you need to get your uh, hunt on. You're going to be in the country, gardening, hunting, being neighborly. What else? Let me look. Um, I found this out kind of on my own out here. As I made me a couple of little flats and hung them in the tree and put bird food in them for birds. And birds would come in of all color and size and shape. And eat the food and then go down on the ground and bounce around and peck. And I've learned that not only do I get to see the pretty birds coming around, but they also eat the insects around the area where they feed and the weed seeds off the ground. So they serve you when you serve them. And Another thing, hang a hummingbird feeder in the summer. I learned that a hummingbird, you know, they eat that, they love that sweet water, right? That nectar. Well, that, they just do that for energy. That's a beautiful song. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh oh, it's time for some Arizona green tea. Almost tastes diety, but it's not strange. Hummingbirds get no nutrients from that sugar water you make them or the nectar they find in, in uh, flowers. Well, Harry, where do they get their nutrients? I'll tell you. When they're not buzzing around, running each other off, playing these war games around the hummingbird feeders, they're in the trees eating mosquitoes, eating small spiders, eating aphids, eating little insects all around your place. 
And so the more hummingbirds you have, the more mosquitoes you're not having, which is a nice thing. You can put up a purple martin house too, but those things will dive bomb your head, your pet, your kid's head, your pet's head. <laughs> those, those things are nuts, but man, they'll eat up some bugs. They will eat up some bugs. Depending on where you live, you might want an outdoor dog. An outdoor dog will keep away possums and raccoons and snakes and feral cats. And keep away the deer and the rabbits, too. I like to see them, but I don't like them eating up my garden. Um, cats, keep a cat, outdoor cat, maybe even an indoor. It'll uh, eat the mice, keep the mice away, the, the field mice, the field rats. There's variants of mice and rats all around out there. So I think I might have covered. Really the only thing I have left here to get into is try to become a do-it-yourselfer. And thus you'll learn a lot of things that transfer into other necessaries like building fences. You know, maybe you're making your own chicken house. Maybe you raise up your own pole barn to cover your tractor. And so you learn how to uh, sink poles in the ground and concrete them and build a roof and put down tin. Uh, you learn how to build things with wood. You're doing hammer and nail and screw and screw guns. Um, you could, you know, if you wanted, you could make your own tables. I worked for Greg down here, who's a master wood craftsman. He's a master rocking chair maker, and I've been able to make a couple of neat little side tables just for my time spent working with him. I know how to, uh, you know, put something rustic together. Do it yourself in, you know, tree trimming, bonfires. You you know, you live in the country, you can have a bonfire every day. You can have two. Two a day, one a day and one at night if you want, if you can get enough material to burn. Um, had a friend drop me a huge dump load of uh, cut up white oak that was old, like, you know, a little under a year old, after you know, dead and removed. And I split it myself and uh, have my own firewood all winter, this winter from it. I still have a bunch of it over there. So country living gives you a taste of what it was like before electricity, or at least before World War II, when people were self-subsistent, if that's a word, and grew their own food and raised their own food and traded for other things they needed. Uh, women sewed everybody's clothes. My mom told me all this because that's how she came up. She came up country. I did not. I came up in a suburb. I was lucky enough to move to the country, and I like it. I like it a lot. Um, I have a tractor. I love doing things with my tractor. That's how I do my gardens and all the food plots for the deer and myself. Um, within the next couple of months within the next couple of months we'll be uh, doing spring planting 
and uh, maybe plant peas. I don't know. We'll see. I know I'll have to get the garden turned over. So, I think I'm a time if I'm going to do the Ruby story. It's an interesting story here, but I need to look at what's going on. 31 minutes. I got just enough time for Ruby the Screaming Mule story. About 7.30 in the morning, this last fall, I think I, I was in the big bed, obviously. I think Ethan was sleeping down here in the big bed, too, and Summer was up in her room. And there was a banging on the door, like a heavy-handed banging, bam, bam, bam. I'm thinking 7.30... Uh, it's probably Greg stuck, want me to come help pull him out, or maybe his one of his workers got stuck or something, or just some ridiculous favor. I ain't getting up. And so I didn't get up. And so he got quiet, and Ethan was like, who do you think it was? And I was like, I'll, I'll go peek. I peeked out the window, and a highway patrolman was backing out of my little driveway and going down to the end of the main driveway to Greg's. I'm like, oh, it's just a highway patrolman going to Greg's house now. We didn't know why. Went back. I think I texted Greg. Highway patrolman is headed your way. And I went, got back in bed. About 10 minutes later, bam, 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 on the door. Big bam. So I know who it is. So I get up and uh, put on some pajama bottoms or something. I sleep in boxers. And... uh Went to the door and it was the big red-headed husky highway patrolman that works the highway up here in the in this mile-long stretch and pulls people over a couple of days a week all day long he's pulling people over and speed limit's 55 it's so easy to go 65 out there and he will pull you over for going 63 usually you think you got a little grace there but not with not with husky red so I opened the door, I was like, yes, sir, what can I do for you? And he's like, "Do you are you the owner of a brown horse? I'm like, no, sir, I am not the owner of a brown horse. He goes, are you sure? I'm like, well, I'm pretty sure I don't own a brown horse. And I, I can tell you that I don't know anyone around here that owns a brown horse. And he goes, well, there was one up in the road in the middle of the highway just standing there with cars stopped from both directions and it was just sitting there looking at the cars I got it back down in your driveway and I need to know that we can put it up and it's not going to happen again I'm like well if you put a brown horse in our driveway uh, I don't know whose it is and he goes well is it the guy into the end of the driveway it's like no he didn't have any horses he goes, is it them over there pointing at the O'Neill's house? I'm like, no, they don't have horses. And he goes, you absolutely sure? I mean, he must have said brown horse six times. Are you absolutely sure that no one around here has a brown horse? And right as I'm saying, sir, no one around here has a brown horse. I didn't get it out. Ruby, the red... Screaming Mule comes trotting down the driveway, all head up and proud. And I'm like, now that red mule right there, I said to Husky Red, 
is, and I pointed in the driveway and threw Greg under the bus, is Greg's. That's his red mule. And he goes, ah, okay, okay. I was thinking it was brown. I was like, well, you know, that's all right, but that's Ruby the red mule. That's Ruby the screaming red mule, <laughs> which you'd have to hear her when she uh, neighs or whinnies because it's more like a scream. And if you're familiar with the old Looney Tune cartoons, when Yosemite Sam would be riding a horse after Bugs Bunny, and he'd be saying, whoa, trying to stop his horse, whoa, and the horse wouldn't whoa, and he'd go, whoa, horse wouldn't whoa, and then he'd hit it or yell at it, and it would whoa suddenly, and he would go flying over its head and land you know, in water or against the wall or the ground, wherever, whatever happened, and he'd get mad at the horse, but the horse would start laughing. That Winnie laugh that that cartoon horse did is Ruby the Red Screaming Mule's uh, voice. And people have, people have thought it's a screaming woman before. So here, here's Ruby the Red Screaming Mule trotting down the driveway towards Greg's. And so... <laughs> so uh, red-headed husky highway patrolman Bisbee, good morning and thank you. He gets in his car and goes down to Greg's. And so I go back inside laughing, and, and Ethan's like, what was that all about? And I tell him all about it. And he goes, Ruby's not brown. I'm like, I know that, and Greg knows that, and you know that. And we all know that Ruby's not brown, but that dude thought Ruby was brown. I mean, Ruby's red. That is a red mule. Now, not like cherry red. Don't be a silly city person but it was red so high man goes down to Greg's they get Greg had had a toe removed very recent to that date and he was having to heal it up so he couldn't do a whole lot on his feet and so he was trying to figure out how to get the mule up. And I think the highwayman helped him. Someone did. He did call me. I don't remember that. But uh, I called Greg later after I saw the highwayman leave to see what they talked about. And he said, yeah, Ruby was out in the highway and cars were stopped from both ways and then ran down the driveway. And he said he'd had mules. And I was like, well, then why did he keep thinking there was a brown horse out there? He's like, what do you mean? He's like, he was asking about a brown horse six times until Ruby came trotting up. And he laughed. And he's like, well, he says he has mules. I don't know. But this is Greg now. But. I decided I wanted to talk, and this is very Greg, about all the people getting pulled over up there right by our driveway entrance, right in that area. And so Greg's like, what's with all the people you're pulling over? Don't get me wrong. You're you're slowing the traffic down for us, which we love, and and we thank you for that. And he was speaking for me and Preston and everybody. We all, and we do. You want you want to be able to pull out of your driveway without endangering your life. And you know when people go the speed limit, 
that won't happen. So, uh, that's a cool song. So, Greg says, you know, it's just Canton here. And at the other end of 16, Jazzer City, where it's just two small Mississippi towns, there can't be that much flow of traffic for you to keep pulling people over as much as you do. He pulled seven, eight, ten people over a day. and I, He wasn't there all day. He was there at a window of time, pulled over a bunch of people, and then went about his day wherever else. And just keeping traffic slow, I guess. And the guy said, well, it's not the volume of traffic because it's, it's, it's not as big as you think. I'm pulling the same people over two, three, four times. And Greg was like, what? And he's like, I know. I know a lot of them by name and what they drive because I've pulled them over so many times. And Greg's like, why? Why is that? Why Why won't they learn from the first time that if you go through here going faster, it's likely you're going to pull them over? And he goes, well, a lot of them work for Nissan. South of Canton is the auto plant. I had a friend that worked there for a while. If you were late to work two times, you were fired. Bottom line. Late one time, that's it. You don't get another. And these people were running late, I guess, and they were hauling butt to get to work. And a ticket was worth not being late to work, I guess. But I guess if you get pulled over and get a ticket, you're going to be late to work. Maybe you should leave early, right? Anyway, that's the Ruby story that tailed. Can't see here. 41 minutes. That's the Ruby story that tailed into the old... uh, Tailed off of the old Hey, welcome to the country City Slicker But In the grace of outer space And the kindness Of its soul We all need To have the same Goal Of Kindness You need to be kind to your friend and to your neighbor and to the strangers. You need to pass that smile on so they can pass pass it on. You know, I talk about that ripple effect. You're kind to a few people around you, and then they're kind to a few people around them, and it ripples out, and you're spreading the joy. You're making this earth a better place. And that's our goal. That's my goal. This is This is for entertainment. I don't make any money at this. I love to talk. I read a lot. I uh, always try new things. I, I love to learn. And I like to share it. But I want people to be happy. And I want people to be kind. And I want people to have peace.